0: Here's your host, Sakar Cowley.
1: Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Travis Watts. Uh, Welcome to the show, Travis. I appreciate your time today.
2: Well, thanks so much for having me. Thrilled to be here.
1: Awesome, awesome. So Travis is uh, Director of Investor Relations with Ashcroft Capital. Uh, Ashcroft Capital is a large uh, multifamily syndication firm with close to a billion dollar in assets. Uh, but previous to uh, to the uh, Director of Investor Relations uh, position with, uh, with the company, Travis has been investing in multifamily passive syndications and passive investor uh, opportunities for quite few years he has invested in 28 different uh, syndications with uh, 14 different companies so today it is going to be a uh, quite a delight to talk to travis and understand all the different uh, advantages and different things he has you know encountered and his experiences today so we are looking forward to the conversation travis again once again welcome to the show
2: Likewise. Thank you so
1: much. Thank you. So help help us get started, uh, Travis, as to, you know, your uh, brief, your background and how you kind of came into the realm of passive investments.
2: Yeah. Happy to share that story. I, I guess really the story starts as far back as high school for me. Um, I was visiting my dad one summer. My dad's a very frugal individual and he was mm-hmm. out garage sailing one morning <laughs> and he and he picked up a book of um, Rich Dad Prophecy. So oh, a lot okay. of people get started with uh, Robert Kiyosaki's uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. But this was Rich Dad Prophecy and it was my first perspective into the world of finance and investing. Prior mm-hmm. to that, I really had no exposure. Mm-hmm. So all that book really told me <laughs> was, we're going to have a stock market meltdown at some point, hmm. so don't invest in the stock market. <laughs> I mean, that was really hmm. like the, the practical takeaway. So uh, I kind of took that to heart. Obviously, no other perspective out there. So I thought, okay, I'm just not going to do that. And, and I did want to get into real estate one day. Sure. I just didn't know exactly how or when or what that would be hmm. like. So what happened was I was kind of setting mostly in cash. I'd always been, you know, an avid saver and budgeter and all these things just Mm -hmm. (laughs) thanks to my parents ingraining that in me. And, uh, so 2009 rolls around after we've just had this crazy downturn and recession. Uh, we're not yet out of the woods at that time. Things are still Mm -hmm. looking pretty grim as you know, but, uh, I was taking a look at a house in Colorado. I was, Mm -hmm. um, born and raised in, um, in Fort Collins, Colorado, about an outside, hmm. uh, about an hour outside Denver. So I found this home that previously sold for 165, 165,000. That was now 95,000. Wow! And at the same time, the government's handing out $8,000 tax credits to first time home homebuyers. So you sure. don't have to pay back. So I thought, well, if there's ever a time to get started,
0: <laughs> I this guess it's now,
2: it. I don't know. Right. <laughs> so I, I took a leap of faith, you know, obviously had some fear and, and, and whatnot, but you know, I just wanted to get involved. So I started Mm -hmm. house hacking, renting spare bedrooms. I later got into fix and flips and buy Mm -hmm. and holds and uh, vacation rentals. I did all this active single family stuff uh, to a point Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I quickly burned myself out. And the reason that happened was I was working an oil field job. So this was 14 hour days, 98 hours per week. It was Mm -hmm. seven days a week. I did have days off here and there, but they were few and far between. Mm -hmm. So, you can imagine my spare time, right? So, Mm -hmm. as I'm browsing neighborhoods and looking at deals and talking with brokers and and realtors, it it just became too much of a commitment. So, Mm -hmm. you know, after X amount of properties, I thought, you know what? I I can't scale this like I had hoped to. Didn't have the knowledge or the mentorship to know how to. Mm -hmm. And so, I, I burned out. And so, I thought, okay. What, what is it I'm really after and why, right? Mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of self-reflecting. I had to kind sure. of go back to the drawing board and think I love real estate mm-hmm. in general, the asset sure. class, the mm-hmm. passive income, right? And, 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 and the concept. What I didn't love is being in the business of, real estate. I just sure. wasn't very good at it, uh, quite frankly. And, you know, I was no kind of player out there. You know what I mean? There's sure. just people all around me being more profitable, more efficient, finding better deals. I just, I, I couldn't really compete. So mm-hmm. I thought, why don't I piggyback off the success of someone that does know what they're doing? Right? Sure. This is where mm-hmm. I was learning about syndications, private placements, the ability to partner with folks that mm-hmm. are passionate about being in the business of real estate, Mm. whereas Mm. I just kind of want to kick back and receive the benefits without having to do anything. And um, so I made a big pivot, 2015. So it was 2009 to 2015 was all active. And I made a huge pivot from 2015 through today to be a full-time passive, investor. So I have right. no interest in doing my own deals or raising capital or doing anything like that. So that that kind of is my story in a nutshell and sure. kind of when and how that happened.
1: I see. I see. Thank you for that detail. And uh, basically you're sharing there, Travis, is that you were sold on the benefits and sort of the stability of uh, sort of what real estate can do to your portfolio it was just the mechanics the minutiae and all the day-to-day stuff that you were just completely not wanting it and you know trying to just get out of it and basically just move towards uh passive investment that that sounds like uh you know what what you were sort of driven towards now did you sell all your uh sort of your active single family houses travis or you still maintain some of them
2: Good question. Yeah. So I completely shifted models hundred percent. So I sold between 2015 and 2016, a little bit in 2017. I, I got rid of everything that was active, I see. Uh, including owner occupied home. <laughs> so I just went all in and uh, my wife and I, we rent and uh, we go all in with, with syndications and multifamily. Mostly. Wow
1: wow you're all in you're all chips are in <laughs> awesome awesome uh now help us understand uh, travis that you have uh you know now so far uh, as i said in your intro that you have invested in uh sort of 28 different syndications at uh 14 dif- with 14 different operators so far right uh, Correct. give give us a sense of uh you know how you sort of look at deals operators markets what, what sort of when you see a operating memorandum uh, you know sort of given to you what what goes through your head like well, how do you analyze mm-hmm. all those details
2: yeah that's a great question i i think that it always starts with looking inward first right mm-hmm. uh, knowing yourself knowing your risk tolerance knowing your investing criteria I like for example b and c class value add you know stabilized assets right in particular mm-hmm. states at least i mean i sure. I do like obviously more specific markets, but in general, I do a lot of macro level research mm-hmm. um, you know migration trends and where companies are relocating to and and things like this so i and you know landlord tenant friendly laws stuff like that so sure. i kind of have a general sense of where i like to park capital but i can't be a master at every sub market in every state you know sure. so mm-hmm. from there is where i let the the syndication group the the sponsor kind of fill me in on why irving texas for example might mm-hmm. be a place to consider sure. versus houston texas or, or a suburb of houston sure. you know there's mm-hmm. just so much detail involved um, so that's kind of how I approach it. So the, my point being, I get a lot of deals sent my way being a full-time passive, <laughs> the word's gotten out that I invest with a lot of people. Um, but most of that can be sorted out immediately
0: mm-hmm. or
2: filtered out, I should say, because sure. it doesn't match my criteria. Mm-hmm. If someone mm-hmm. sends me a, a new development deal in, uh, San Francisco, I, I'm not doing that deal. That doesn't match my criteria. Sure, sure. So, <laughs> so it makes it a lot easier when you start kind of with your goal in mind and you mm. understand what, you know, what you like and what your preferences are. Uh, from there, I look for track record experience, uh, you know, just in general, getting along with the sponsors. Mm. It's a relationship business, right? Sure, I'm sure. going to, I'm trusting these people. Number one, mm. where I'm placing my capital to make, decisions on my behalf. Mm -hmm. Number two, I'm going to have to communicate with these folks for years. So if if there's a misalignment there, or we're not aligned in philosophy, or, you know, whatever, they're not being transparent with me, that could be a big red flag. And that's not going to go over well for a Mm -hmm. five to seven year relationship. So that's kind of how I view it macro level, you know, going into a deal.
1: I see. I see. Now, are there any specific benefits uh, or about the deal that you look for? You mentioned value add, but Mm -hmm. value add in general, as we all know, can come in many different forms. You know, Mm -hmm. one could be a super distress or one could be, you know, simple Mm -hmm. things and stuff like that. So how how do you kind of uh, go through or clutter through all that noise as to, you know, what's safe or what's extreme risk, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, in general, the consensus is, you know, higher risk, higher return potentially, right? Mm -hmm. So theoretically, new development deals and things or highly distressed properties should possibly give you a a bigger return. But it's weighing that out for yourself and saying, Mm -hmm. I'm not comfortable taking that kind of risk because (laughs) what if it doesn't work out? So I like to try to go middle of the road, meaning middle incomes, you know, Middle America for the most part, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, light renovations and light value add. Uh, Stabilized assets, meaning that uh, upon takeover, the occupancy is say in the 90% range, something Mm -hmm. like that. So not buying something that's 30% occupied because it has huge problems or it hasn't been leased up yet. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then with the hope of of leasing that up. So nothing wrong with those business models, just doesn't match my risk tolerance is all it is. So that's kind of what I look for is B and C class light renovations. You know, where where even if you decide upon purchasing the property, we're going to stop doing everything. We're not going to do any work to this property. In theory, it should still cash flow and produce income and and hopefully go up in value over time anyway. That's kind of what I look for.
1: I see. I see. Now, share some stories about, uh, Travis, that, uh, you know, you invested with certain operator and what sort of benefits you have reaped so far I don't know if you uh, have gone through, like you know, sort of the full cycle of investments on any of your deals. Uh, give us some sense mm-hmm. of, you know, what sort of your experiences have been.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, so the way I started was in my mind the wrong way, and what I mean by that is I would vet the deal first. Mm-hmm. So a pro forma and projected returns. Second, I would bet the market, and then third, I would bet. The sponsor or the operator. So yeah, I know it's laughable. But uh, so what I learned from that experience was, you know, I could share a lot of different stories, but there's one in particular that comes to mind where it was a new operator without Mm -hmm. a lot of experience is probably their second deal they had ever done. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they bought in a great market, they bought at a great price and at the right time in the cycle, right? And so Mm -hmm. to know, benefit of the GP team, we ended up doing very well on that deal, but they pretty much messed everything up. (laughs) (laughs) All the wrong decisions at all the wrong times and money was misallocated. It was such a mess and they had to stop distributions and just put the property up for sale at the end of the day because there was enough equity in it to just give everybody a decent return and they didn't have to keep you know, shooting themselves in the foot, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. uh, so anyway, so what I do now is I'm I'm always vetting the operator and the sponsor is number one. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, it's it's really their ability to execute a business plan and to sure. properly, mm-hmm. you know, do what they say they're going to do. Number mm-hmm. two is still the market. I still think a market can can make you or break you alone. And then the last thing is the deal with the idea being you get the first two in alignment and you're probably going to be looking at a decent deal anyhow with enough experience and in a great market.
1: Sure, sure. Thank you. Thank you for that detail. And um, the, the sour experience that you uh, described uh, that where, you know, uh, the operators were, probably not savvy enough to make the good decisions or got into some problems. Give us some specifics. And the reason I ask is that there are a lot of passive investors who listen to uh, this podcast. And sometimes, you know, the uh, all the good Excel sheets and the colorful memorandums that are, uh, you know, sort of presented, it all looks great, but sometimes you don't know what you're getting into. So I think it would be valuable for, uh, you know, for all the listeners to kind of hear that, okay, what sort of problems are happening behind the scenes that Mm -hmm. Travis was sort of scared away and they had to just kind of sell the deal. Uh, Give us some uh, sort of uh, tidbits about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the basic idea here is inexperience is inexperience, right? It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what we're talking about. If somebody hasn't gone through it before, hasn't Mm -hmm. been in something long enough, Mm they're not really going to know what to do when things pop up. Things like a flood, a fire, a hurricane, a tornado, Mm -hmm. uh, a frivolous lawsuit from a tenant, uh, a property management company that's swindling money. You know, there's all these things that can happen, right? But, When you're either partnered with a group that has the track record and experience or it's a newer group, but they have a mentor or a co-GP, somebody who's kind of over their shoulder to help, Mm -hmm. that is critical uh, for those reasons. So in this deal that I described earlier that I invested in with the so-called bad sponsor... um, They had no mentor. They had no track record. They really had no experience. And there was a lot of issues with the property management company. There was kind of a a bit of a fraudulent partner to an extent. It wasn't Hmm. obviously a a deal killer because we all ended up making money and getting out of this thing. Sure, But it was certainly a hiccup. It was certainly enough of a distraction, you know, I mean, it really did kill the deal in the sense that we were going to hold this five to seven years and Mm -hmm. 18 months later we're selling it because Mm -hmm. they don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, you could go on and on about all the what ifs and whatnot, but, but you know, you are trusting a team or an individual with your money, right? Sure. And so you're just like a, a financial advisor or anyone else, right? It'd probably right, right. be best to work with someone that's kind of been in it a little while or I has see. some resources to reach out to.
1: Got it, got it. Now you have invested, Travis, uh, with 14 different operators so far. Uh, give us some mm-hmm. sense of, uh, you know, what makes uh, different operators good, Uh, And, you know, like uh, share some stories because I'm uh, like, I haven't uh, had a guest who as veteran like you, who has invested in so many different uh, uh, syndications with so many different operators, you know, Uh, give us Mm -hmm. us, uh, some sense of your experience as to, you know, what you have learned from all these different operators so far.
2: Sure. Yeah. Uh, Again, I still kind of get back to this is very uh, individual, right? So it's it's like, what do I value in personality and characteristics and whatnot versus someone else, that's going to be different. Mm -hmm. So it takes some self-reflecting, but in general, I like monthly reporting Mm -hmm. because a lot of times monthly reporting and monthly distributions kind of go hand in hand. This is my Mm -hmm. income. So I I'm I'm a big fan of monthly Um, something that's not necessarily the industry norm in -hmm. this space. It's mostly quarterly stuff. Uh, and, And the reason is I like, to be caught up and informed not too often <laughs> where I'm sure. being bombarded by emails every week, mm-hmm. but to the point where I don't have any questions, you know, and I like partnerships that are very proactive because I value that in just, you know, human relationships and interactions. Sure. So for example, if a tornado comes through Dallas, I own a lot of property out in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Well, I would like to know as soon as possible, if my assets are okay,
0: right? right. Don't, mm-hmm. don't
2: rely on the next quarterly report that comes in three months to tell me that there was some damage done and right. that eight units got knocked out of line, you know, and now we can't make a distribution or something. I, that's, that's junky. <laughs> right. Right. So, right. Uh, so being, being very transparent, the good, the bad, the ugly, mm-hmm. share it with right. your investors. Okay. Uh, don't just try to sugarcoat things, you know, the occupancy fell 10 percent. But, you know, we had a popsicle day last week and everyone loved it. You know, you know, you just got to share it all and just be real. And um, so transparency, frequent communications and just good rapport between myself and and the partnership where we can just have a conversation like this and it just makes sense. And it's not no one's holding anything back, stuff like that. is most important to me
1: sure sure now we as we all know travis that a lot of passive investors are busy you know like sort of professionals doctors lawyers and things like that Mm -hmm. right so their attraction a lot of times is that hey i don't want any hassles right Mm -hmm. i just want to invest and gain the uh, whether it's the depreciation benefits and the write-offs and things like that so In your experience, how have you fared so far in terms of, you know, like getting the year end, uh, you know, of course, you're getting the monthly cash flow or the quarterly cash flow, depending on the sponsor, but uh, give us a sense of the sort of the tax benefits that come along with these uh, investments.
2: Sure. Yeah. Happy to. And and again, just speaking independently as an investor, not on behalf of Ashcroft or anyone, but just, sure. and I'm not a tax advisor, CPA. Sure. But yes, you get a tax form that's all done for you. That was a tremendous benefit to me personally when I was mm-hmm. doing single family homes, having to track all my receipts and write-offs and constantly calling my CPA. Can I write this off? Or is this some I depreciate or you know, it was just a lot of hands-on, a lot of work, a lot of organizing. It was just overwhelming. So sure. in, a, in, a, uh, in a private placement, there's just one tax form. It comes once per year. It's a K-1. And then everything's done for you, including things like cost segregation and bonus depreciation. And there's a lot of tax benefits that go out there to real estate investors. Um, every deal that I've participated in, that's been flow through to the Mm -hmm. limited partners. So I'm participating in this tax advantage. It's not going to the general partnership and I'm stuck with the Mm -hmm. 1099 or something like that. So um, yeah, a simple example of that is that, you know, like cost segregation, again, I'm no, you know, certified specialist here, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of items in real estate that you can accelerate the depreciation On so everyone sure. kind of knows the 27.5 years of the value of, of real estate minus the land costs, whatnot. Sure. But there's things you know, plumbing and lighting fixtures, and you know, cabinetry and carpet and appliances. So you can accelerate uh, the depreciation, so you can write the lifespan of these off over three years, five years, seven years much faster than sure. you can 27 and a half. Mm-hmm. And so that benefit rolls through to the passive investors specifically in the first year to Mm -hmm. where you can have a tremendous tax deduction. So to Mm -hmm. your point earlier, yes, uh, lawyers, you know, doctors, dentists, you know, professional athletes, business owners a lot of high income earners, specifically W two income can benefit uh, from these tax advantages and even more so if you can qualify as a real estate professional, so you have sure. to look that definition up. But if you can qualify with your CPA under that um, cate- category sure. uh, on, on your taxes, you can actually take some passive losses to offset active income. It can be tremendous. And sometimes it's a husband and wife situation uh, where you know maybe the, the wife qualifies as the real estate professional and the husband's the W-2 earner. You can both get that. Uh, that That category uh, per se, so yes, a lot of tax advantages, I think everyone knows real estate has a lot of tax advantages, but even more so in a lot of cases with private placements, because you can afford on a four hundred unit apartment building to do a cost segregation study, which sure. is quite expensive, mm-hmm. um, but you know, as opposed to a single family home, it may not be cost feasible you know your tax benefits aren 't going to you know outweigh the cost of having that done so Uh, just something to note, there's, there's great tax advantages.
1: Right, right. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, also Travis, like for someone to, you know, understand and get started with knowing, you know, like how to approach the operators or uh, how to find some of these investments, right? Uh, What has been your approach? Like, obviously, uh, you know, you, you probably initially started somehow and then you know you grew your network and now uh, you probably get a lot of deals sent to uh, to right but let's say if an investor is driving in his car or listening to uh, on his laptop in the night and things like that and they don't yeah. know much about it right how can they learn mm-hmm. more about it and sort of uh, uh, you know no, get to know more operators what are some of the strategies that you can advise
2: yeah yeah um so for me leading up to lockdown, COVID, and this crazy situation that we're all in, I was going to a lot of conferences and seminars (laughs) nationwide, anything really relevant to multifamily apartments, commercial real estate, you know, all this kind of stuff. There's a lot mm. of them out there. Sure. I'm the type of person that, that gets a ton of benefit from that, not only from the speakers and the education content, but being able to network with, sure. you know, thousands of passive investors and, you know, swap notes per se, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who have you invested with that you've had a great experience with, you know, sure. any operators mm-hmm. I might want to shy away from, you know? And, and so you pick up a lot. Networking in person like that now, that being said i didn 't start doing that from day one. I wish I had because mm-hmm. i 've gotten the most value out of it, but you could also network online. You can also hop on bigger pockets than forums like it or LinkedIn, and you can be posting about i 'm thinking about doing some syndication investing. Does anyone have any you know referrals references swat, you know would anyone be open to sharing their experience? That brings me to point two mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you can seek out someone who's been doing what you want to do, mm-hmm. uh, you know, add value, swap value. You know, sure. a lot of people out there, myself included, are totally willing to help uh, and share and connect. So leverage that. That's huge. You know, you can cut the learning curve by, you know, decades sometimes just by getting right to the point instead of reading a hundred different books on the subject and still (laughs) not knowing what to do at the end
1: of the day. Sure, 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 sure. And to add to that also that I think we live in a technology age, like podcasts like this, for uh, for example, are also like huge. I mean, this is one example, but there are many other podcasts as well. There are a lot of, you know, knowledgeable guests who come on and as you shared, like having a mentor or listening to these podcasts and things like that are, are tremendous in my opinion and, and they can just absolutely cut down the learning curve in this. So good, good. Awesome. Uh, Travis, a well, uh, couple of uh, last questions here. Um, I have seen in my experiences that markets and operators like are such huge keys that sometimes you can make a lot of mistakes, but just because the market is so good, like let's say the Dallas or the Orlando or the uh, Phoenix Mm -hmm. or the uh, Tampa of the world, that there's a kind of a saying uh, that they say that is that, hey, I mean, if you're in a good market, it can be a lot more forgiving and it can kind of ride, ride you through a lot more uh, you know, sort of the mistakes and things like that. Hel- help us share some of your psychology around, you know, sort of markets and what does a growing market do to these syndications in general?
2: Yeah, yeah, good question. And and so back to kind of the one, two, three, right? The sponsor mm-hmm. the market, the deal. So when I go macro level on states or, or markets, um, we got to think in terms of reality, if we're talking about housing anyhow, you know, mm-hmm. w- what, what is it all about when it comes to a tenant Mm -hmm. being able to pay rent? It's all about jobs, Mm -hmm. right? So when you're looking at markets, what I'm looking for is diversification in the job market, uh, Mm -hmm. specifically maybe where there isn't one sector taking up more than 25% of the job market in that area. Mm -hmm. So you may have some healthcare and some, travel, right? And some oil and gas and some, you know, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So I, that's critically important. There's endless obvious case studies on Detroit and what happened there with sure. certain properties or, or the oil bust back in the day, especially in Houston, it's a little more diversified today. But, um, you know, you just don't want to be limited on one employment center. Um, and there's been deals that I've seen where the numbers look great, Mm-hmm. but i I passed on them because essentially they 're parked right next to a huge employment center, and sure. I know a lot of the residents work there, so if that mm-hmm. one employment mm-hmm. center goes under that property could be in the stress of yeah. trouble yeah. sure so mm-hmm. uh, that 's kind of what i 'm looking for i 'm always looking at like the three mile the five mile the ten mile radius you know mm-hmm. operators are going to share that data with you as to, you know, the the schools and the employers and just the stores and shops, you can get a general feel for these markets if you don't, live there, hop on Google Maps, put in the property address and go for a little virtual drive mm-hmm. and take a look at what's around there, you know, mm-hmm. and and if you feel comfortable with it and, and it checks out, it you know, that might be right for you specifically. So. I see. I see.
1: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that advice. Now, Travis, given the number of investments you have done and your network with a lot of investors and passive uh, folks in general, give us some uh, pieces of advice uh, that you have learned or Uh, from your network that helps you kind of stay disciplined every day? Give give us some uh, bit of advice that you have heard so far.
2: Yeah. I think that the most important thing is just reflecting inward. I talk a lot about just mindset and goal setting and just self-education. You have to just continue educating yourself and you have to know your goals and criteria. I do speak with a lot of investors. I also speak with a lot of investors that were like me when I was in the single family space, and they Mm -hmm. don't have a defined plan. They don't Mm -hmm. have a path that they're really on. It's just, you know, what was I doing back in the day? Why am I doing a flip over here and a vacation rental there and a buy and hold here and house hacking here. None of that really made any sense. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't until I really reflected back that really, for me, it was passive income I was really about. And then why was I after passive income? Well, I wanted the freedom to leave the job I was working in the oil field. So the Mm -hmm. passive income ultimately allowed me to leave that job when I had enough To cover my lifestyle expenses. Mm -hmm. And then what that was really about was not money. You know, I used to think it was all about money, but it really was about having options and flexibility Mm -hmm. to do what you want with your time. Mm -hmm. So like, I love being part of the, the Ashcroft team because I get to educate in the space. I get to talk with investors. I get to swap notes. I get to learn so rapidly,
0: you know,
2: Mm -hmm. partnered with a great group. Whereas before I was going nowhere with the oil stuff. I didn't even want to be in that industry. I didn't care about it. It just wasn't me. And so, uh, yeah, it was like, you know, your the freedom over your time, I guess you could say.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, uh, Travis. Uh, Please share with our listeners how they can find you and learn more about you.
2: Sure. Yeah. So uh, there's a calendar link. I spend my weeks connecting with folks on fifteen-minute calls to thirty-minute calls, just doing a Q and A. If anything, you know, resonated on this uh, uh, this interview with your listeners, happy to hop on a call and sure. just discuss it. I talk to eighteen-year-olds, seventy-year-olds, everyone mm-hmm. in between, accredited, non-accredited. I just I'm passionate about passive investing, and I'm happy to connect. I'm also on uh, LinkedIn, Bigger Pockets, Facebook, Instagram. So reach out and let's connect.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And we will uh, we will put the link in the show notes. So we will definitely uh, make sure, uh, you know, viewers and listeners are able to reach you as well uh, using that link. So thank you for your time, uh, Travis, for uh, listeners and viewers of the show. Thank you for, uh, you know, all the praise and love and uh, keep watching uh, exports like Travis come on every now uh, uh, all the time and we have news and articles at PremiumCashflow.com. So please do take advantage. And if you are also looking to, uh, you know, learn more about passive investments, we have several articles on the website. And if you're willing to, uh, you know, just uh, sort of understand more about it and want to reach out to us, you can always register yourself and reach with us using invest with us link on the website. Uh, we are happy to, you know, jump onto a brief call and just kind of discuss your goals and what you're looking to do. So it's been a pleasure, Travis. Thank you so much. And I look forward to, you know, uh, talking to you more and hearing more about the future opportunities uh, from time to time. So it's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for your time today.
2: Thank you very much. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to premium Cash Flow real estate investing podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest.